0: Christmas season, Advent season. If you love the Christmas season, say amen. Amen. If you don't love the Christmas season, say boo. We just want to know who you are. We want to pray for you. It's an interesting season, but think about this. This time of the year, 80% of every party we will attend, we will cram into a three-week period of time. And if you do it just right, you can hit three or four of those parties in the same night and not enjoy any of them. It's a great time of the year. And while we're at it, we'll completely redecorate our house inside and out. And Jim Gaffigan says, I think a drunk guy first invented it. He's like, oh, let's take a tree and cut it down and put it inside. Let's take lights, put those outside. It's interesting. (laughs) And because we have plenty of time we, we buy things for every person we know, even those we don't like. We take a family picture, send it to everyone we've ever known, let the kids out of school for two weeks, bake every cookie we've ever thought of, and eat three months of calories in three days. And then some of you stress out Out this time of year more than any other time of year because you try to control everything you can this time of year. I want you to be at my house at 1 o'clock. About 12.45. Not 1.15. 1 o'clock. And we're going to eat at this time and we're going to open presents this way and you're going to hold it up and smile because I want a picture of every present I bought you. And you're going to like it because it's the most wonderful time of the year. Is it? And so it's really interesting this time of year. I mean, what I want you to do is just for a moment, take a deep breath. And I want you to slow down before too much of the year gets away. And just for a moment, think about the meaning of Christmas. Because God wants to get your attention. Because if the devil can't slow you down right now, he'll just speed you up. And you're going to place a lot of energy on things that will not matter in January. And all of us are searching for peace. It's human nature. And it's normal for us to look for peace in things or places or people that won't last. Our career. Our hobbies, our habits, even our marriages or our ministries. Those are great things, but they cannot and will not be the deepest source of peace in your life. And some of you might be in danger of sliding in to 2022 and still not finding what you've been looking for. And so let's make sure over the next couple of weeks, we don't give first-class effort to second-class things. And and remember this morning, only Jesus brings peace. You may not have the perfect life, but you can have peace. Because Jesus didn't come to make your life perfect. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and in so doing, he brings peace. And peace has a name, and it's Jesus. And every person here in this room, watching online, podcasting later, no matter where you live, every one of us have desires and longings. And every desire has a cost. And most of them will leave you in regret, but not Jesus. And in week two of our series, Advent, longing for. We're going to see how humanity's number one desire, humanity's number one desire, and you may think it's peace. We've been talking about peace up until this point. It's not peace. But humanity's number one desire from day one has been control, power, autonomy, authority, Our number one desire is for control. Because we think if we can be in control, if we can be autonomous, if we can direct our lives, then we will find peace. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. God doesn't let it work that way. Here's what you're going to find out today. Peace is found in surrender, not control. It's found in surrender. I'm going to learn this by turning all the way back to the book of Genesis. and So if you have a copy of God's word, and I hope you do, open to the book of Genesis chapter 11. Every week I tell you, bring a copy of God's word. I want you to see it. I want you to have the pages open on your lap. Yes, they will be on the screen or the TV, but whether you're in the room or in your living room, have a copy of God's word. I don't have the words of life, God does, Amen. And so at the Church of Nolansville, we surrender our lives to his word, bring his word. And so I preach from the CSB version. And so if you don't have that, you might want to pick up a copy of that. But I'm going to read all of our verses together. I'll pray. And then as we're used to, we'll go through them one by one. Genesis 11, verse one. Now, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. And as people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let us make oven-fired bricks. And they used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves, otherwise we'll be scattered throughout the whole earth." Then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. And the Lord said, hmm, if they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Verse seven. So God said, come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the whole earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon, for there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the whole earth. Lord, today, help us to push back on the natural rebellion that we feel against you and your ways. I confess on behalf of the church that, Lord, we honestly quite often just want to do our own thing in our own way. We think it's going to lead to peace and joy, but it never does. Like There's not even one instance in 5,000 years of human history of someone charting their own path that doesn't end in misery. So God, today, help us to learn that peace is found in surrender, not control. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... All right, so you perhaps are familiar with this story in the Tower of Babel, but let's, let's go back and look at it, and I want you to see in this story why I'm saying to you peace is found in surrender and not control. So let's, let's go back and let's take a deeper dive. Verse one says, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. They used the same language. Now, we don't really know what that's like Earnestly. Like we we really don't. How many of you show of hands have ever traveled somewhere where another language is spoken? That that's a result of the Tower of Babel that we're reading today. And when you interact with that barrier, you, you want to relate and it's it's hard. There's a barrier to interaction. I tell people all the time, you know I can speak six languages. Oh yeah, yes, I can say hello and goodbye in six languages. <laughs> I traveled much of the known world, and I can say hello and goodbye to a lot of different people groups, but I cannot have a conversation. But there was a day, the Tower of Babel, when everyone spoke the same language. Now, it's interesting today. Even if you don't speak the same language, you can just use Google Translate and communicate. In fact, that's how we bought our newest puppy, Xander, a Great Dane. He's about four months old. This is Xander. Everybody say, "Oh." he wears Xander jammies at night because he gets cold. And so we bought Xander in Houston from a Hispanic couple and knew it was a great breeder, but we couldn't communicate. So we just texted back and forth and made the entire deal and we couldn't speak the same language, but we were able to. It's interesting that even though there was a communication barrier, technology has made a way. And even though Technology has made a way where a diversity of languages now can communicate. We still can't get along. And I don't mean to politicize anything today, but just pick an issue that we're facing. Economy, COVID, climate, ethics. There is a different opinion with everyone you talk to. And it's not an issue that there's a difference of opinion. Like differences of opinion make for meaningful dialogue. The problem is there's an unwillingness to even dialogue. We don't want to communicate. And if you oppose my opinion, then I oppose you. It's, it's frustrating, amen? Can't even dialogue. So we're told we must fight and we must be at odds. Well, there was a day where everyone was on the same page, attempting the same thing, speaking the same language. Look at verse 2. So as the people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and they settled there. So they're journeying from Mount Ararat and Mount Ararat is where the ark rested after the flood. And now they've found themselves in the land of Shinar, which is Mesopotamia. If you look at a map, this is modern day Iraq. That's where this particular scene is unfolding. Look at verse three. When they said to each other, come, let us make oven fired bricks and they used bricks for stone and asphalt and for mortar. So they're making bricks, and they would, in that day, either use the sun to dry them or a kiln to fire them, which is apparently what they did. And then on top of the brick, they would put tar and mortar. The point is, they really knew what they were doing, and they intended this structure to last a really, really long time. You can still find today, 5,000 years later, bricks from some of these structures. They were about a one foot square and three to four inches thick. Humankind knew what it was doing. They were great builders and artisans even at that time. And look at verse four, it says this. And they said to each other, look at this verse, it's interesting, see if you can tell what's wrong. Let's, your version may say let us, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered throughout the whole earth. Are you able to discern the problem here? I mean, mean, honestly, aren't they just attempting an entrepreneurial adventure? What is the problem here? Well, you don't have to turn back very far. Just, Just go back to Genesis 9, two chapters earlier, and God told the people, be fruitful multiply, and fill the earth. And what they're saying here is, we're gonna do something for ourselves so that we don't have to obey God and scatter throughout the earth. Humankind has always sought to disobey God. It started with Adam and Eve. They were told to be fruitful and multiply and they sinned and disobeyed God. Humanity, because it's fallen, has always rejected God. And so what you're reading here is after the flood, God had destroyed the world with the flood everything in it except for the eight, Noah and his family. God makes a new start and he tells Noah and his family a repetition of the original command to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so this new generation of mankind after the flood, they're sitting around and discussing, okay, now what does God want us to do? The same thing multiply scatter fill the earth what was their response and eh, no thanks we will make our own way we we don't we don't want to scatter no, no no in fact we want to urbanize we want to hunker down we don't we don't want to follow god we want to do our own thing the project itself man it's just bricks it's just a building the the project itself isn't sinful in fact most theologians think theologians think they were building what you would find today is a ziggurat. It's like a pyramid-shaped structure, but, but not really like a pyramid because it was, it was stair-shaped. You have a picture of one you can find here. They, they think this is probably what they were building, and many even think that the hanging gardens now that, that you can go and visit is, is the remnants of what we're reading about in Genesis. We don't know that, but we do know they were building something like this The structure itself wasn't a problem. What's the problem? The problem is their desire. Their desire is to be disobedient. They wanted to control their own destiny. They could have been united. They could have been united around God's glory. They could have been united around God's mission. But instead, look, look at the pronouns here. Look back at the verse let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the sky. Let's, let us make a name for ourselves so we will not be scattered. Let us, let's, let's, ourselves, ourselves, ourselves. You don't read God's will, God's will, God's will, God's will, God's will, God's will. It's not what you read. Why are they building? I'll tell you why they're building. Listen up. Same reason why some of you are building things in your life. You're trying to, to tap into the resources of heaven without submitting to the ruler of heaven. We'll find peace and blessings that come from God without submitting to God. It's been our downfall from day one. So this isn't ancient history, church. This is modern day news. We want what God offers. We just don't want God. And so we're on a quest for autonomy and we're not inclined to want to depend on God to provide for us. And the biggest danger we could face is to continue to find success in our lives and get to the place where we finally believe, I just don't need God. I've got it all figured out. But God's too good to let that happen. And your quest for peace will never be found in controlling your own life. Because peace is found in surrender, not control. And God made his plans clear. But they don't want it. They want to urbanize They want to build here. They want to stay here. They're on a quest for their own way. And so look at verse five. Then the Lord, I love this, came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. God came down. Aren't you glad God comes down to us? Amen. But this implies sarcastically that from God's vantage point up in heaven, he couldn't see this massive giant structure they were building that was supposed to reach the heavens. The author is making a joke a little bit sarcastically. I think it's funny. You don't have to. You can be wrong. I think it's awesome. (laughs) But the author is saying this massive human structure was so tiny. God's like, oh, let's go down there and check it out. Now, God didn't have to go down there and check it out. He's omnipotent. He sees everything. He knows everything. Sarcasm. But mankind is building a tower towards heaven, and God's like, well, let me go see. Let me go take a closer look. I'm going to have to kind of step out of heaven all the way down there just to go see what they're doing. And God, God comes down, and what you need to know there's nothing that God doesn't see, so rest really well. That There isn't one meeting from one decision maker behind any closed door with any world leader trying to accomplish anything that God doesn't see. And God can step down into the middle of it anytime he wants because he's not out of control. And look at the next Verse. So the Lord said, oh, well, if they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. They're all rallying around a common mission and a common purpose, but it's not my will, it's their own. And they're rallying around their disobedience. Now nothing will be impossible for them. See, the problem with us reaching our full human potential in that way, in God's eyes, is that in the end, we deify ourselves instead of Almighty God. We make gods of our own selves instead of submitting to Almighty God. And here's what I don't understand. Let me ask you a question. The reality is we are so prone to listening to someone or something else. Let me just, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all use like the Waze app or Google Maps to get anywhere? Show of hands. Yeah, when I moved here, that's all I did. Where am I going? Kroger. And it gives me like four options. You want to go this way, this way, this way. I don't want to go the fastest way. Waze app, I'll be driving. Take a right. I don't want to take a right. I promise you, take a right. I don't take a right. I don't even ask questions. Just take a right. How many of y'all use Yelp or Tripadvisor before you stay anywhere? I don't go out of town to stay at any Airbnb that doesn't have a great Tripadvisor rating, and I want platinum rating because I want to trust someone's opinion, right? How many of y'all when y'all buy on Amazon buy number one Amazon's choice? We recommend this one. How many of y'all show up hands? What's wrong with y'all? Buy the Amazon choice; it's always good. We are so prone to listen to someone else and someone else's opinion. You'll read 30 seconds of national news and think you fully understand what's happening. We're so prone to listen to someone else, listen to someone else's opinion, but we refuse to listen to our Creator. We are hardwired to trust other opinions, we just refuse to seek it from the one that really matters. Why? Because humanity, because of the sin inside of us, is predisposed to autonomy, self-control, self-reliance. That's what you see at the Tower of Babel. Because they think they're going to find peace. They think they're going to find everything they want. But it's not true. Because peace is found where? Surrender not control. And you need to know today has the power to flip the script in your life. Why today? Because you don't change anything tomorrow. Tomorrow's not the answer. Because tomorrow's never the answer. Why is tomorrow never the answer? Because you're always going to fix that tomorrow and you're always going to repair that tomorrow and you're always going to get in shape tomorrow and you're always going to heal that relationship tomorrow and the future's always going to be tomorrow. The problem is tomorrow's always tomorrow. Tomorrow. How about today? You start reshaping the future in front of you. Today, you can release control and begin to surrender. Ever since humans were created in the garden, we've longed for control, but we always mess it up. There's 5,000 years of human history. Go read it. We long for control, but we don't have the strength to make it last. We want peace, but peace isn't found in control. Peace is found in surrender. So I'm gonna show you some numbers that I showed the church about six months ago, and I'm gonna show you again. 4,000. 4,000 is the number of weeks the average person will live. Scientists know, on average, this is how long people live. So 4,000 is the average number of weeks every one of you will live on this earth. I just turned 44. This is how many I have left. It's less than I want. 4,000 seems big until you do the math on what I perhaps have left. What I've realized is that for a lot of the weeks between this number and this number, we're spent making my own way. We're spent charting my own path. We're spent building my own towers. But with the weeks that I have left, I want to show for my kids and the next generation in this church and my wife and anyone what surrender looks like, where peace is found, where life is found. So I want to make the last 1,612 or whatever the Lord allows me, because you know what, I'm not even promised tomorrow. I want to make them count. The peace that I'm after is going to be found in my surrender to God, not in my controlling of my own destiny. So how many of you are trying to build your own tower right now and you think, I don't need anybody? But What happens when the tower you're building doesn't last? Or what happens when you complete the tower and you don't like the tower you just built? like, I have this massive building that I built, but I don't like the life that I have. You know, when COVID hit, a lot of us didn't really know what to do. And I don't just mean with the pandemic, but I mean, we went home and moms and dads and husbands and wives and brothers and sisters and family sat down knee to knee with each other. We didn't even know how to talk. So, people went home and they reevaluated their lives. They said, If I die, do I want to die building this? So, people quit their jobs. They dropped out of school. They started over. So many of us are just trying to grasp what's best out of this life instead of opening our hands and allowing God to guide us. God came down. It's the best thing that could have happened to these people because he's going to disrupt their plans. And so in his kindness, God comes down. And it communicates both the insanity of the human's plans, but also the compassion of God. So look at verse at Verse, verse 7 says, come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. Let's. This is the first notion, not the first, but one of the first notions in the Bible of a triune God. It doesn't prove the Trinity, but it introduces the notion that our God is three in one. It becomes very evident in the New Testament, incredibly clear, But the idea of a triune God is introduced in the Old Testament. But but look at what he says they come down to do. He says, let's come down and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So yesterday, you got two guys working. They're talking. They're building. See you tomorrow. They go home. They get back to work. They show up, hey, hand me a hammer. What? What? Hey, hand me the hammer. I can't hear what you're saying because God has confused their language. They're supposed to be at the height of human potential, but with one snap of God's finger, they can't even communicate enough to pass a hammer. You, you, you think you and I are strong enough to make our own way. And God says, I can blink, confuse your languages and scatter you in a moment which is interesting. Because of the scattering, there's about 3,000 different languages that are spoken in the world today. And he scattered them. He said, go be fruitful and multiply. His his scattering was actually kindness. Because he disrupted their plans, put them back on his purpose to go fill the earth. But what God did in the scattering, he's actually already given us a glimpse of the undoing of that. If you go to Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, hundreds of thousands of Jews are gathered in Jerusalem and they all come from different corners of that part of the globe. So they all speak a different dialect. They're a result of the Tower of and They can't talk one another well it's one of the three major feasts, the day of Pentecost. So they're all there and they're gathered. And if you read in Acts 2, Peter, man, he's going to get up to preach. And man, the Holy Spirit just blows through there. And man, tongues of fire rests on the people. And Peter preaches and all these men are there to listen. And every one of them is able to hear in their own language. God reverses the Tower of Babel in Acts chapter 2, and everyone from all of the different places can now hear the preaching of the gospel in their own language. And then you go to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, and it gives us a picture of the glorious throne room, and the Bible says, all the nations, tribes, and tongues will be represented, and all will be singing together to the glory of God. So God does indeed scatter. He scatters for his mission, but he begins to reverse and give us a picture of us all being united one day. It's pretty cool. So God says, look, verse eight and nine. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the whole earth and they've stopped building the city. Verse nine. Therefore it is called Babylon for there, the Lord confused the languages of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, scattering was not discipline or punishment, but it was God's loving kindness to get them back to fulfilling his promised plan. And at the end of the day, God is a scattering God. God is a sending God. God called Abraham, but then he sent Abraham. God sent his son. God sent us the spirit. God sent out the disciples. God sent the prophets. Jesus sent out the 72. The church has been sent out into the world. God scatters. And God sends and God scatters because now he doesn't want us to fill the earth. He wants us to multiply disciples throughout the earth. And so God sends his church throughout the world to make disciples of the world unity around the mission and the message of Jesus, the gospel, the life-giving, soul-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we as a church, we have to make a choice every day to realize that, man, our peace and our joy will be found in surrender, not in control. And we're gonna send and we're gonna scatter and we're gonna obey. And we have a vision as a church over the next two years, to make sure every person that breathes air in a 10-mile radius hears the gospel because of us. We want to plant a group, a life group, in every neighborhood in Nolansville. And we want to get people so excited about saturating our reach with the gospel that we begin to plant groups and extend our reach into Murfreesboro, Smyrna, College Grove, and we want to multiply and scatter We want to obey the great commission. We want to fulfill what God has called us to do. And as long as I'm the pastor here, you're going to regularly hear from me. The best thing that we do as a church won't be what happens in this room, as glorious and great as it is. I love it. But the best things that we do as a church is when we scatter. And when we obey Jesus and go give our lives away and lose them if necessary for the sake of the gospel. That the need around us is so urgent. We do not have time to build our own structures and our own buildings. We need to go and obey. Did you know that there are around 10,000 people within a nine square mile radius of us that are unchurched, dechurched, lost and searching. 10,000 people within a bike ride of here that do not have the hope of heaven. There are 750 kids, students within walking distance of this campus that are not connected to a local church anywhere. As the chaplain of the Nolensville Police Department, I'm regularly made aware of the desperate and deep need of our community, the single moms and those who are suffering with ailing diseases and those who are struggling with addictions and abuse. The need around us is great. I've told you multiple times, this building's only been open not even two years and we've hosted three funerals and every one of them was for a teenage boy. So much need around us, so many families that need a touch of the gospel. We do not have time, we don't have the weeks to waste doing our own thing and building our own lives. I don't know how many weeks you have left but I know that the peace that you want is found in your surrender and not in your control. And there are some of you here today that your first step to peace is surrendering to Jesus as your Lord and savior for the first time. If there are people in this room, there are people watching online who are not Christians. And we are so glad you're here. Welcome home. I didn't hear about Jesus till I was 19 years old. And when I started hearing about Jesus and the God who loves me and gave his life for me and resurrected for me, like, man, I could just feel my heart beginning to beat faster and burning inside of me. And I know that's true for some of you. And God's desire for you is for you to say no to sin and yes to him. And he will make you his son or daughter, a child today. You don't have to have all the answers to every question in the Bible. You don't have to know how many nails are in the ark. You don't have to do that. We will figure those things out with you as we help you become a disciple. But today, you need to give your life to Jesus And for those of you that need to give your life to Jesus, I want you to pray with me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I want you to pray with me. And then after you pray with me, I want you to fill out the card in the seat back and say, I want to know and follow Jesus. And our team's going to follow up with you. You're going to get a text and an email. Hey, let's connect and let's talk. Let's get you plugged in. Let's get you growing. Let's help you take your next step. But before you do all that, you got to give your life to Jesus being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in my garage makes me a car. God doesn't have grandchildren. So just because your mama's a Christian or your daddy's a Christian or your brother's a Christian, don't make you a Christian. The only thing that makes you a Christian is Jesus. And you gotta surrender to him and confess your need. And I want you to do that. I want you to do that today. So I'm gonna ask the whole church to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I'm talking just to the people in the room who are not followers of Jesus. I want you to say something like this. Dear Lord, I surrender to you. I say no to sin and yes to you. I believe you're the savior I need. I believe that you died for me and rose again. And I trust you as my savior right now. Make me your son or daughter in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Everybody stand up with me. For those of you that just prayed with me before you leave, grab that card. I want you to fill it out. I want you to communicate with us. The rest of you, Your job today is to figure out the one thing that you're controlling that you need to lay down. The one area you won't release to God that you need to lay down. The one thing that you absolutely will not let go of, that's your job today. Figure it out and begin to surrender it because peace is found in surrender, not control. Amen?